Growing Up with a growing understanding speech pathology. Conversations about children's development that will support you through your parenting journey. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up with a Growing Understanding Speech Pathology. Today I'm joined by Ricky Elliott, who's a clinical psychologist and owner of the Hummingbird Centre, which is a local psychology practice in the Newcastle area of New South Wales. Ricky and I worked together quite a number of years ago now. We won't say how many years ago, but we've kept in touch over the years and we share a number of mutual interests, but it's great to be able to chat to Ricky today um, on all things about children and anxiety and how um, psychologists can work with children to be able to support those areas, particularly as they're growing up. So welcome to the podcast, Thanks, Ricky. Lauren. Thanks for having me. So nice to chat with you because yeah. we haven't seen each other in person for quite some no. time. Time. Tell me about psychology generally and how that came into your world and how you became a psychologist and then a business owner in the Hummingbird Centre. Someone was just asking me that the other day, actually. I decided I wanted to be a psychologist when I was about 15. I think I was in year 10. I just decided on the bus ride one day home that that's what I wanted to be. And that's what I did straight from school. I just had a real passion for helping people, but also a fascination with how the mind works and how we as human beings work. And how did you then move into working with families? So I started my career out in working in a drug and alcohol rehab. And I was always had a special interest in working with the parents there and then I went into adult mental health and then I went into child and adolescent mental health in a family-based residential program and that I found really fascinating and interesting and loved working with families and children who were really struggling with mental health difficulties and then from there always loved working in child and family work from there I also went into working in an area called perinatal psychology which is working with pregnant couples and people who have newborn babies up until the first 12 months of life and I just loved early intervention so we were working with parents with mental health difficulties and just getting in really early to help support their relationship with their baby and support them in parenting so that any kind of relationship issues didn't get passed on to the next generation so I just loved that area and now I'm working in private practice at the Hummingbird Centre I just do it all I work across the lifespan but I I do love working with families and that's where we first met was in the parenting centre where I was working as a speech pathologist and you were working as the psychologist and and play facilitator as well and and it was supporting parents and families to be able to support their young children and that preparation required before they even had the child and so it was a really interesting space for us to be able to work collaboratively with some of these families that were coming with really significant challenges and not really knowing about how to be able to help their child. Yeah most definitely such an important space because there can be so much guilt in that parenting space you know and hard to access treatment so it's a privilege to work with families in that space isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What has your experience been in terms of working with speech pathologists in your role as a psychologist? I love working with speech pathologists. We don't have any at the Hummingbird Centre. We more refer to to the growing understanding, but I just think it's so important. And I probably shouldn't say this, apologies, fellow psychologists out there, but I always say to parents, you know, if there's any financial difficulties and with young children, if you're deciding between seeing a speech pathologist and a psychologist, you need to go with a speech pathologist because language is so important in connecting and relating with others, learning social skills, learning how 
how to regulate emotion. And so if we don't have that, that's the, the groundwork and the psychology work can come after. That's interesting that you say that, <laughs> you know, coming from <laughs> Sorry, a psychologist. psychologist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think, you know, there's so many parallels between mm. what psychologists do and what speech pathologists do that we can complement each yes. other really nicely yeah. in that role. And really, I think probably the difference with the way that both you and I operate and the way that our teams operate is that importance of family yeah. and upskilling the families and the parents to ensure that they're the ones that are impacting yes. the child. So that, yes, we work with children and we, we both love working with children, but we also love working with the families. And I think that that's where you see the real growth is that if you can support the parents and the carers to work with their children, that that's where you see enormous potential in the children. 100%. Because, yeah. you know, they might see us for one hour a week or a fortnight and all those other hours that are in there. So it's, it really is working with parents to support them to be the main source of change in their child's life, yeah. Grow with us and join an active community of parents on Facebook at A Growing Understanding and Instagram, Grow Understanding. You're a mum yourself now. Yes. What was your childhood like and how has that impacted on you as a psychologist and also you as a mum? Oh, that's a big question. So I had a really, a really good childhood. You know, I have lots of fond memories of family social gatherings and I had a really wonderful growing up in a really safe beautiful neighborhood with lots of children and we were more able to roam a bit more free then in the neighborhood so I've always found that a a parenting challenge is safety versus letting children be children um, and, and striking that balance relationships are really important to me and quality time so one of the I guess biggest challenges I have is making a work-life balance work so that I'm there for the kids but also needing to you know run a business and things like that. Is that what led you into private practice in the first place was to try and aim for that work-life balance? I think private practice is amazing in that you can see any age group, any presentation that you want to, whereas when I worked in specific services, we saw specific people. So I liked the, I get to see people of all kinds of ages and backgrounds and things like that. So I love that. But yeah, the flexibility, if I want to go to the kids assembly, if I want to work school hours, if I want to be at the Easter hat parade, all that's possible working in private practice. That's what led me into private yeah. practice initially was that flexibility and, yeah. uh, you know, that choice around, yeah. you know, who I worked with and who I wanted to be able to spend that time with. Yeah. But as a business owner, you end up stripping away some of the time that you want to be spending with yes. your own children because you're investing so much into your work professionally. Yes. And it takes a little while to get that balance back again. Yeah, I wouldn't say I've mastered the no, balance. No, neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> I try. But I'm, I'm a I work try. in progress. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you try to be all things for all people. Yeah. yeah. Is there a particular childhood memory that stands out for you? I had a really, really close, beautiful bond and relationship with my girlfriend great grandmother so I just used to love being with her she was just the most cuddliest most beautiful spoiltest rotten grandmother ever so I have lots of beautiful memories with her but also on my mum's side we had a large family like lots and lots of cousins and family members so Christmas and family gatherings were so much fun those relationships with grandparents are just yeah so special and yeah yeah, unique aren't they yeah Mm. yeah do you have any particular parenting hack 
hacks or tips that help you to be able to parent your children? Yeah, I'm, I'm really privileged by being a psychologist, some of the training things that I've gone to professionally that has really helped me personally. So, you know, learning that all behaviour is communication and that whenever a child's having any kind of emotional reaction or behavioural issue, it's what is their need? Like what unmet need or feeling that they need support with is happening here and you just look past the behavior to what is the need and it just helps you stay really calm I think the other really important one I've learned along the way is simple stuff but don't ever call out and ask them to do anything for from afar I think it's it's Dan Siegel one of the parenting experts says connect before you direct so you go in close to a child and ask them connect with them and then offer the direction or ask them what they need to do and they're 100% more likely to listen to you instead of you know the growing frustration of calling out something you know 20 times over (laughs) frustration mounts until you end up shouting so I think that's been really helpful I think the number one thing though is taking time out without feeling guilty about it to recharge your batteries manage your own stress levels because it's always unregulated stress on our part that causes us to do things in parenting that we regret and feel guilty about later so it's just taking that time to really look after yourself and not feel guilty about that because ultimately you're doing it for your family and discovering self-compassion I think when you do make those mistakes has been really helpful for me Mm. rather than getting stuck in an unhealthy kind of guilt pattern I think some of those are really good reminders as I was yeah as you were saying this oh yeah I need I know that but I need to remember to do those (laughs) things all of the you know self-care remembering to connect before you direct yeah yeah, I do know that I need to just remind myself yeah well I wouldn't say I'm an expert 100% perfect perfect at it but yeah it is just because you always get out of habits when you're busy or rushed but trying to come back to those things I think is helpful we want to know who you'd like to hear from or what topics you would like us to discuss so we can continue to grow together reach out via email to growing up at a growing understanding.com.au are you and your family readers? Do you like reading books? Have you got lots of books on the book stand? Yes, we've got so many books on the book stand. My son, who's 10 and a half, he's not a big reader. He's a very active boy, so it's hard to get him to sit still. He'd rather be on his bike or swimming or something. But my two girls, who are seven and five, they love books. Absolutely. So we're always reading books. Yeah. yeah. What are you reading at the moment? What are they reading and what do you read yourself? So Indy, she's seven. Her favourite book at the moment, she's an animal lover, is My Friend Fred. It's a story told by a cat about her best friend, the do- a dog friend. <laughs> she loves that one. And my five-year-old, she's got this book at the moment, which she just loves because she thinks she's very, very cheeky. The Dinosaur Dump, I think. And it's very <laughs> cheeky about, you know, a dinosaur <laughs> That she convinced my mum to buy the book. My mum didn't. Five-year-old humour. My mum didn't read through it. She came over. She's like, "I'm sorry, I bought this book." (laughs) (laughs) So they're reading that at the moment. I love to read. I've recently discovered Audible books as a way to really be able to read. So this year, I've managed to master three books so far this year, and that's more than I've done in the last ten years. So skipping over to Audible. So when I'm travelling and things like that, I've only rediscovered Audible recently (laughs) because I used to read quite a lot and I was using Audible while I was traveling quite a lot and I stopped you know so I stopped using it for a little while and so I've only rediscovered it and it's incredible Incredible. I 
feel like I can legitimately rejoin my book club because you know our book club has turned into wine club or movie club over time <laughs> yeah, because you're busy because mums. we're busy mums and we you know don't read as much as what we should but I feel like I could with Audible yeah yeah, yeah. no that's been really helpful to get back into it yeah. yeah one of the things that we lined up that we were going to talk about was around anxiety for mm-hmm. children what does anxiety present as for children what does that look like and how does a parent know whether they should seek out some support for their child around anxiety yeah that's a really good question because it can present in so many different ways so it can present as a child who just outwardly is is worrying to their parent they are refusing to do activities that maybe previously they would have done or maybe they've always been a bit nervous about so social activities there might be refusal to go to school activities they might be really hard to get to it can present sometimes as oppositional behavior it's really just because they're anxious about something or they're trying to control something that they feel anxious about some kids shut down and just refuse when they feel nervous about doing something others it can present in behavioral problems where the child really does you know try to take charge in the home so it can present as anger and opposition not just like a fretful worry there's all different ways we've seen an increase in OCD since we've been through COVID so it can present in you know repetitive patterns of behaviors things that they need to do you know before they leave the house or things like that and it's like severe kinds of anxiety like trauma can yeah often present behavioral children have often have difficulty if you've got anxiety falling asleep staying asleep those kinds of things and so at what point should parents and carers be aware of that anxiety and when should they seek help I think if in doubt, always talk to your GP about it. Even if it's something quite mild, GP's quite, you know, is everyone's first base point of call. I would always discuss any concern with your GP or paediatrician if you have one. And then the GP can decide from there if it's something that should be referred on to a specialist, a psychologist or something like that. I don't know whether you come across it a lot, but I think generationally, I feel like there's been a shift for our generation that we're more willing to be able to seek out support services for children than what previous generations did particularly in the psychology realm particularly when we're talking about our thoughts and our feelings and Mm. our experiences I feel like previous generations it was all kept in-house or in the family home and we don't talk about those things and that's not necessarily my experience from my family but I do feel like there's been a a shift and so I do wonder whether there are some families out there wondering about what psychologists do and how they would help a child with anxiety do you come across that yeah I think uh 100% where where we're experiencing a cultural generational shift in being more open to discuss emotions and ask for help when we need it which is fantastic there's still a high number of people who won't um but so we're still not there yet but we've certainly made great inroads for sure um what to expect when you see a psychologist so you are not you know there's all always exceptions to the rule i I guess i can speak from my team and my colleagues and myself 
you know, you're going to walk into a non-judgmental atmosphere. It is not a parent's fault if a child has anxiety. There is an environmental influence, but there is a large biological component to it as well. So we're here to help and support in a non-judgmental manner. So we do an assessment, kind of work out what's happening for the child. And then the typical evidence-based treatment for childhood anxiety now is cognitive behavioural therapy. So it's helping the child learn more helpful thoughts and not get trapped in negative, you know, catastrophic type thinking and it's helping the child develop a behavioral bodily based emotion regulation strategies to help manage so working on anything everything from sleep to things that are happening at school to exercise to relaxation strategies as well as that we do do a family-based assessment as well so we do often see and it's again not to blame But if you're a parent yourself with some untreated anxiety, we would implore you to also speak to your GP about that and have some treatment. That's not to say if you have anxiety, you are definitely going to give it to your child or it's your fault because there is a biological component, but it does significantly help a child if their parent's anxiety is treated. And like what you were saying earlier in terms of tips and and things as well, that you've really got to look after yourself in yeah. order to be able to almost mediate between your own emotions and reactions 100%. to things and how you're presenting that to your child. Yeah. So, you know, if you're yourself presenting with anxiety mm. or any pressures that you're putting on yourself if you haven't done enough self-care, yeah. so that's going to impact your interactions with your, your child as well. And if they're presenting with anxieties, yes. whether it's related or not, that's going to have an impact on the interaction and and how everybody is feeling in that moment a hundred percent the state we show up in influences everyone that we interact with yeah so it'll impact your own ability to regulate to manage difficult behaviors with children with anxiety it is a real challenge for parents because you'll have children refusing to do typical things and having behavioral outbursts and things like that because they're actually really frightened and they can't communicate their needs so it's really challenging so the self-care for a parent without a child with anxiety is strong enough but if you do have a child with anxiety yeah it's, it's even more so we call it super parenting really so awesome thanks so much for sharing all of your insights always lovely to chat yeah to my you. pleasure and yeah I'm sure that we'll have you back again to chat all other things in the realm of psychology and speech pathology sounds wonderful thanks Lauren thanks for listening to growing up with a growing understanding speech pathology we love helping families navigate their parenting concerns and ensuring your child can grow and achieve please rate and review wherever you're listening so we can continue to grow together 